0: and I, I'm so thankful that uh, Bethel Baptist Church is a church that loves Vacation Bible School because they love kids, uh, and they want to see children grow up on the right, right foundation. But you know, I think we all need uh, a right foundation as well, and I, my prayer is is that through this study that we're doing on the whole armor of God, that you're going to gain a, a right foundation by with which you'll be able to fight the enemy, that enemy that fights against you every single day of your life. You know, back in 1944, Japanese Lieutenant Hiru Onada was assigned to a tiny Philippine island called Lubang. And he was assigned there to conduct guerrilla warfare against the Americans in World War II. Unfortunately, when the war ended in 1945, Lieutenant Onada never got word. He never got word, and for 29 years, he continued his mission, living off the jungle, evading search parties who he thought were the enemy, until finally, on March 19th, 1972, Lieutenant Onada was found. Lieutenant Onada was living, or was fighting a war, was ready to fight a war that did not exist. There was no war. But yet he found himself fighting that war every day. If we consider our lives in the total reverse of Lieutenant Onada, we will find a great lesson for ourselves. And the lesson that you and I have as believers is, we must live prepared to fight a war that does exist. You may not know it. But you are in a war every single day of your life. No Christian can even begin to understand uh, your personal life and all the things that come against you. No believer can begin to understand our world at large and all the things that come against the world until you realize that we are in an all-out war. It is an all-out war. And to defeat the enemy in this all-out war, you and I must look to supernatural protection that only comes from this book, from the Word of God. Our enemy is too powerful. Our enemy is far too evil for us to whip him on our own. Make no qualms about it. You are are in an all-out war. If you would, go with me to Ephesians chapter 6, and let me remind you of the passage that we're studying. In verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 6, Paul is writing to the believers in Ephesus. It's important for you to know that he's not writing to the world, he's writing to believers that were in a church much like this one. And he writes, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand, say, stand, stand Stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Say, stand. Stand in the evil day, having done all you can to stand. Say, stand. Stand. To stand. Verse 14. How do you stand? He says, stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fairy darts of the wicked one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication with all the saints. Let me pray for you. Father God, you give us some very descript truth uh, in this passage that we need to apply to our lives today. I pray that we'd be able to do that. Direct us and guide us, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said. Amen. The first piece of armor that we talked about was the belt of truth. It was the truth of God's word, the truth of God's son, the truth of God's spirit. And that truth can protect your heart. That truth can protect your mind. And that truth can protect your will if you will make use of it. If you will make use of that truth you will find protection for your heart, for your mind, and for your will. Now, the second piece of God's armor that we've already talked about was the breastplate of righteousness. And the breastplate of righteousness protects us from the devil's most effective fiery dart. Guilt. Guilt. The enemy tries to use guilt against us by dredging up past sin that's already under the blood of Jesus Christ and trying to get you to think that you have no future value in the kingdom of God. That is the great deception of the enemy. That is the great accusation of the devil. But we learned that once a person comes to faith, comes to faith in Christ Jesus, then that breastplate of righteousness is placed on us And we actually trade garments with Jesus. We take all of our sin and we lay it on him on the cross. And God then takes all of Christ's righteousness and places it on you and I when we believe. Now Satan, the accuser will try to dredge up all those sins and put it back on your account. He will try to get those sins that have already been judged and get God to put them right back on you. But friend, the believer in Jesus Christ is justified. That's a Bible word. Justified. He is or she is acquitted of the sins just like they never happened when we place our faith In Jesus. So, how do we put on this breastplate? How do we make use of the breastplate of righteousness? It's actually quite simple, but you just need to know what it is. What you have to do is you cannot permit the accusations of the devil, the accusations of yourself, the accusations of other people, or the accusations of circumstances. To keep you from trusting that Jesus already finished it. You must daily trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ that he completed on a cross. Now, what you also need to remember today is, is that this this letter to the Ephesians is what is called a prison epistle. It's a letter that Paul wrote while he was in jail. Paul was under house arrest. He is awaiting trial. He's awaiting execution. He knows that he's going to be beheaded. And while doing that, he realizes having been chained to this Roman guard 24 hours a day, they worked in six-hour shifts, so he's chained to a Roman guard at six hours at a time, but 24 hours a day. And I imagine that as... Paul is finishing this letter to the believers in that Ephesian church. I believe he's encouraging them to put on the whole armor of God. But while he's doing it, he's looking at this Roman soldier who's seated beside him. Now, he's already looked at that belt he was wearing. He's already looked at that breastplate that soldier was wearing. But as Paul begins to examine the soldier that he's chained to, he also notices these unique sandals this soldier is wearing. Now, before I even get to that, though, I want you to go back to Ephesians chapter 6, and I want to uh, read a verse for you again. In verse 13 of Ephesians chapter 6, Paul writes, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day. Having done all to stand. The evil day. What is he talking about here? Well, remember, he's writing to believers. He's writing to a church in Ephesus. And he's telling the Ephesians, hey, buds, there is a specific day that you better be prepared for. There's a day coming that you better be ready for. There is a day that you and I, an evil day that you and I had better be ready for. Because see, friend, uh, the moment that you least expect it, the devil will attack you. There is a specific day that the enemy will attack you, and you better be prepared. You better be ready. So in that sense, we kind of need to be preppers. Anybody ever watch that show on television? What is it, Doomsday Preppers? Well, I hate to, to be a Doomsday Prepper, but you know what? One thing you got to admire about those people, they're ready. Whatever happens, they're ready. I want to encourage you. You better be ready. You better be prepared for what comes your way because the devil's got a plan. He's got a plan to trip you up. He's got a plan when you make really bad choices. He's got a plan. He knows that in one brief moment, your life can change. In one brief moment, your life can change forever. It happened to David. King David was not prepared. He was not ready for the evil day that was coming against him. He was not ready to stand in that evil day. And after he did what he did with Bathsheba, he was never the same. He was forgiven, but he had to endure consequences for the rest of his life. It happened to Moses. One act of disobedience and 40 years of work went right down the toilet. One little act of disobedience against God and all that work was for naught and God wouldn't permit him to enter into the promised land. It happened to Peter. Peter is forever known in the annals of history as the guy who denied Christ. Right? When I say Peter to you, that's the first thing we think of. Oh, he's the one that denied Christ. It can never be undone. It can never be redone. He's the guy that denied Christ. Friend, only the armor of God can help you to stand or to withstand this evil day. Just like America has got the Patriot missiles or its uh, present counterpart, uh, that missile defense system that protects our borders, so the Christian needs a fiery dart defense system. Friend, we need to be able to stand against the enemy, and the only system we have is the whole armor of God. I want to encourage you, be ready. And more importantly, get this, be making use of what God has already provided you. Because what I'm finding in my study of the whole armor of God is that God's already given it to me. He's already given me the truth, the belt of truth. Jesus already died on the cross, giving me the breastplate of righteousness. Every piece of every article of the whole armor of God, God's already given us. The problem is we don't make use of it. We don't appropriate it. We don't put it to work for us. We don't put it on in that sense. So we need to be ready. So today I want to introduce to you the shoes of the gospel of peace. Brother Hal, if you would, I want you to just go back. Uh, There you go right there. I want you to just hold that picture there for a second. The Bible says, Stand therefore and for shoes put on peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared, so that you will have sure footing. This is a great imitation of what the Roman sandals look like. Do you see something that's peculiar about these sandals? They're not like the sandals you and I wear. They've got cleats on them. Amen? They've got cleats like hobnails. And so these uh, we're going to learn in a second what those cleats were for. That, the, that sandal was a very thick sandal and it had those cleats on them and that the spikes were kind of like that and like baseball players wear. Baseball players wear cleats. And do I have any soldiers in here? Do I have any men that have ever served or uh, Brother James, can you tell me? Uh, what, What do you think the most important part of a soldier's clothes are? Any soldier will tell you the most important part of his uniform are good, dry shoes. Likewise with the whole armor of God, our shoes, the shoes of the gospel of peace, are the most important part. Now, that word in verse 15, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, that word preparation uh, can be transliterated or it also means foundation. Okay? That's our foundation. Uh, What does the verse say? And having shod your feet with the foundation, if you will, of the gospel of peace. All right? It means foundation. Foundation. Four times in that short little passage, the Bible said, you need to learn to stand. You need to learn to stand. You need to have sure footing. Friend, if a soldier can't stand, then he can't fight. If an army loses its footing, then guess what? They lose the battle. Sure footing is imperative. And what is our foundation? Paul said it. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. What is the gospel of Jesus Christ? Simply put, Paul said, I declare to you the gospel that Christ died for our sins as the scriptures have said, that he was buried and he raised again on the third day, just like the scriptures said. That is the gospel in a nutshell. We stand because of this gospel. We have a sure footing with God because of this gospel that we believe in, that we have placed our faith in. But, your enemy don't want you buying into any of this gospel business. And if he can get your faith to wavering about the gospel, he's already got one up on you. He don't want you buying into any of that stuff. And so what he does is he starts polluting and diluting the gospel. In Galatians chapter 1, Paul wrote about this problem. Listen to what he wrote about this pollution and dilution of the gospel. In verse 6 of chapter 1, he wrote, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. It's not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel other than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. Now that word accursed is something I don't want. If I preach to you some other gospel Quote, unquote, other than what we have been preached to ourselves, I will be accursed. We were talking about the varying degrees of hell in Sunday school. If I preach another gospel or attempt to preach another gospel, I'll be right at that bottom level, that bottom degree of hell. Let him be accursed, Paul said. That's a horrible, horrible place to to be. See, friend, if if you're wrong with the gospel, you're going to be wrong with everything else in your life. You can't be wrong, for the gospel is our firm foundation in the Christian life. The gospel is our solid footing. It's the victory of Christ, friend, that gives us this safe and solid standing as we fight the enemy of God. We have got to be able to stand and stand solidly. You see, it's these shoes. These shoes of the gospel. And they have more than just getting you to heaven. The gospel is more than just getting you to heaven. Let me tell you some things that the gospel of of peace will provide for you. In this life in the here and now, not just the there and then, in the here and now, the gospel shoes provide stability. Say stability. 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 The spikes, you saw them, you see them there. The spikes help the soldier keep his footing. It helps him to stand firmly. They keep him from being easily knocked down. They will keep him from slipping. Now, Some churchgoers would believe anything a preacher says. Some, maybe some here today, would believe anything that I tell you from this pulpit. And the reason you'll believe it is because you don't search it first yourself. I invite you, I encourage you to take your Bible home after every sermon. And bring that message alongside of God's word. And make sure that that's the case. Don't just believe it because I'm saying it. Uh, There are people who look on Facebook. And I notice this a lot. Man, they'll see a really nice quote on Facebook. Man, they'll like it. They'll share it. They'll even live by it. If. If it goes along with the way they're living. They'll like it, they're, they'll share it. They'll live by it if it goes along with how they're living. And it may not even be biblical. But sometimes it says, it, say, it sounds good. It's how I'm living my life. It must be right. Sadly, many people blindly believe what the media says. Even Christian media, friends, you've got to be careful. you've got to bring all that stuff alongside the word of God. Don't be gullible. Make sure God said it, not just some tutti-frutti on Facebook. Make sure that God said it. You know, some people are desperate. They get into poor health. They get into bad financial situations. And man, they're just ripe for the picking. And they're just so gullible. They're so receptive to anything that they think might help them. They say, man, I guess I better start calling on God for this one. This is a pretty bad one. I've heard other people tell their children and I pray it doesn't ever happen in here but I've heard people tell their children man you better be good or you can't go to heaven. I've heard people tell their children God only lets good people into heaven. Man I'd have been gone a long time ago if it weren't for my Jesus. You ever heard this one? One religion is as good as the next as long as you're sincere. Man, oh man. All those people, the Facebook people, some of the preaching people, uh, the people that tell their kids those false numbers, uh, even those people who, who don't believe, man, they desperately need their feet shod with the gospel, the gospel of peace. Friend, this Bible's true. This Bible is true. It tells us how to be saved. And the only way is Jesus. It's the only way. Friends, it's true gospel. And the true gospel of Jesus Christ provides us with stability. I love the Bible because it gives me absolutes. Y'all hear that? I know when I read this, it's absolutely true. It's not a a gray area. It's a a line drawn in the sand. It's either black or it's white. It's absolute. And I need to believe it absolutely. James said in 1.8, said a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. The author of Hebrews wrote, don't be carried away by various and strange doctrines. Come back here to the absolute. Friends, we hold here in our hand the full and final revelation of God. That's awesome. The full and final revelation from God is right here in your hands, in print, in black and white. And He don't need your help trying to help Him adjust His plan somehow. It's already been revealed to us. It's full and it's final. The shoes of the gospel provide us with stability. But there's something else. The shoes of the gospel also provide us with mobility. Say mobility. 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 Caesar wanted his soldiers to have proper shoes so they could move quickly. That's one thing I've noticed about a baseball player. Man, after they hit, they moved pretty quickly down to first base. I see that a soldier might be able to move more quickly with sandals that look like this. Uh, Not only do they move quickly, but Caesar would actually have fur put on the inside of the sandals. See, he didn't want his soldier's uh, feet getting too tired. And so uh, he had these uh, like bunny-lined slippers on the inside, but he had some Air Jordans on the outside. Amen? Uh, So that he can move quickly, but he also had to be comfortable. You see, friend, stability is necessary. You you need to stand, but you know what? Mobility is important, too. Stability is when the batter is in the batter's box, and he needs good stability. So that when he swings that bat, man, he's going to rock it out of the park. He's got to be stable in the batter's box. But if he hits it and he maintains his stability and stays in the batter box, what happens? Nothing. He's got to have mobility to get to first base. So we need stability and mobility. We've got to be able to hit it out of the batter's box and then get our tails to first base. Amen? So it's so important. What is that in the Christian life? Stability is the message of Christ. We are stable in the gospel of Jesus. But mobility, get this, is the method by which we share it. Not just the message, but the method by which we share it. The word of God is absolutely non-negotiable. Absolutely, it never changes. It is what it is. It cannot be changed. But the method of getting this word out... Changes all the time. It changes all the time. Our enemy constantly changes his methods. He's constantly looking for a new way to get to you. And if that doesn't work, then he's going to try another way to get to you. He's, his method is in a, a constant state of change. We should be in a constant state of change about how we deliver this message. You know, some of you, as I look out, I bet you're seeing things in this world that you thought you'd never see. Some of you senior saints, I bet you thought, man, I never thought I'd see this happen. I never thought I'd see abortion legalized. I never thought I'd see homosexual marriage. I never thought I'd see all that. But um, guess what? It happened, didn't it? It happened, didn't it? You know, Miss Brenda and I were talking this past Wednesday, and we were talking about vacation Bible schools of yesteryear. Way back when we were children. Now, for me, for Brenda, it was a lot longer than it was for me because it was just a couple years ago for me. But um, vacation Bible school, when I was a kid, uh, it was simple. We went up to the church house. We got a little Bible lesson did a craft maybe, got the cookies and Kool-Aid, and we were good to go. That was it. That was it. But times have changed. People are different. Society and culture has evolved into something we never expected it would be. So if we want to reach kids today, We better make Vacation Bible School special. And I praise the Lord Jesus above that Bethel Baptist Church does. Because you got to change your method of delivering that never changing message. But you know what? There's a lot of people that don't like change. If you like change, raise your hand. Three and a half. (laughs) Jeff was doing this three and a half of us like change let me tell you why we don't like change there's five obstacles to change the first is if we're honest with ourselves we're prideful I don't need to change I'm fine the way I am the way I think is just the way it should be you ought to change not me We never did it that way before. and We're not going to start now. It's a prideful way of thinking. Number two, obstacle to change. Fear. Man, I'm too scared to change. Too scared to change. There is too much risk if I change now. But think of the trapeze artist. If you're swinging from the trapeze, there's supposed to be another guy to catch you. Right? But there for that split second, man, it's just you and your underwear. Amen? And you don't know if you're going to get caught or not. There's some risk. Number three, obstacle to change is rebellion. I've heard this. I don't want to change. In fact, I will not change. I will not change. It's going to be much too much of an inconvenience for me. You see the problem there? Inconvenience to me. And tie number three and number one into the same pile. Number four obstacle to change is laziness. We're just getting honest, right? We all got the pride issue. We all got the fear issue. We all got the rebellion issue. Let's get real. We all got a little laziness issue too. Man, it's just too much trouble to change. It's too much trouble to change. Why can't we just sit back and do things the way we've always done it? Man, it's got us this far. Why shouldn't we change? Because the call of God on our life is not for you to remain where you are. The call of God on your life Is for you to change and grow and draw closer to the Lord Jesus. Number five, obstacle to change is ignorance. Brother Bill, I just don't know how to change. I'm too set in my ways. I don't know how I would change at this point. Friends, there are some who want change. There are some who need change. But until someone shows them how to change from the Bible... They're just satisfied to remain ignorant. Let us be about the desire and the willingness to change. Now, the gospel of peace does provide stability. The gospel of peace does provide mobility. But the gospel of, uh, the shoes of the gospel also provide opportunity. Say opportunity. Stability, mobility. And opportunity. Many people in this church family. And you know who you are. Have recently learned. In recent days. That God will provide the opportunity. When you're willing to show a readiness to carry the message. Man I never get a chance to do that brother Bill. I never get the opportunity to share the gospel. Man, it doesn't seem like I never get the opportunity to show or to tell somebody about Jesus. But see, friend, God provides the opportunity when you're ready, when you're truly ready. You may think you're ready, but are you really ready? Are you truly ready to tell someone about Jesus? In Romans chapter 10, Brother Chad shared with you a, a praise scripture that I want to remind you of. He said that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And backing up to verse 11, he says, The scripture says, Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew or Greek for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But get this. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? Friends, those spikes on the sandals, those cleats, they'll give you stability in the batter's box. And when you rock that ball, it'll give you mobility. To go to first base. But if you don't climb in that batter's box to begin with. If you don't take the opportunity to hit the ball to begin with. You'll never get the shot for the home run. You'll never get the chance. You got to swing the bat. If I stood there. And I watched three strikes go by. I'm what? I got good stability, I got my mobility on, but if I never swing that bat, if I never take the opportunity, then I'll be out, and I'll never have that chance for the home run. These soldiers kept their shoes on in a state of war, they even slept in them. They were always ready to go to battle. And a good Christian better always be ready. Looking for the opportunity to swing that bat and knock it out of the park. To swing that bat to take up the opportunity to tell somebody about the hope that you have in Jesus. I read a story of a soldier who would not retreat in battle until he first made contact with the enemy. And then he'd bring one back and he'd show his comrades the soldier that he'd captured. And he'd say, you know what? There's plenty more where this one came from. There's plenty more where this one came from. Every one of you guys can have you one of these if you really wanted one. Every one of us here today could share the gospel of peace with somebody. This week, this week, you could share the gospel of peace with somebody if you wanted to. If you wanted to. See, Christians, like all human beings, we do what we want to do. Amen? Amen? Come on. We do what we want to do. And if you wanted to swing that bat of opportunity and tell somebody about the hope that you have in Jesus, you could if you wanted to. Will you swing the bat? You know, the same Peter that we were talking about, what what did Peter do? He denied Jesus. He's the guy. The same Peter who denied the Lord Jesus wrote this. He said, set apart your hearts unto the Lord God and always be ready to give a defense to everybody who asks you for the reason for the hope that's in you with meekness and fear. You know, Peter might have blown it. When he denied Jesus, he might be that guy. But look what he's encouraging us to do. Be ready. Be prepared to give a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Friend, are your feet shod with the gospel of peace? Your Savior Jesus already won the victory on the cross. Are you, by trusting in his gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, are you able to stand in the victory? Are you able to whoop the enemy by trusting in what Jesus did? Are you prepared for the devil's attacks? Are you ready? Are you standing? Are you willing? Are you able to fight? You see, this good news, it's a message. It's a good news message that people can have peace with God and heaven as their eternal home. Just by accepting this good news as my own. But guess what? When I accept the good news of Jesus Christ... I am openly defying the devil. I am openly opposing the devil. And he is not going to lie down and take it. He is going to fight. Will you fight back? Are you stable enough in the gospel? Are you able to stand on the gospel of Jesus Christ when the enemy attacks you? Are you mobile enough to take that gospel of peace and tell somebody about it? Are you willing, are you able to take up that opportunity to swing that bat? And share that good news with an unbeliever, a lost sinner, whose, heaven, or whose eternal home is hell. Unless you swing the bat. All of these things are available to you today. If you don't know the gospel of peace, that Jesus died for you, you can today. But I almost think that this decision time is mostly for believers. Because as we examine ourselves, I find myself not always standing on the gospel of Jesus like I should. Certainly not as mobile as I should be. And I wonder how many opportunities have I blown? All because I was just unwilling, scared whatever, to swing the bat. Whatever God's laid on your heart to decide to do about that today, I pray you'd make it known. I'd love to pray with you if the Lord leads. But whatever God says, you do. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for the good news that Jesus Died for my sins, was buried, and rose again on the third day. That is the gospel. And Lord, I confess to you today that there have been far too many times that I have permitted the enemy to paralyze my voice, to paralyze my testimony. And to steal the opportunity you've given me. Lord, if there are other brothers and sisters here today that are in my shoes. Lord, I pray that they too would confess that. They would turn away from that line of thinking. And that, Lord, they'd get in that batter's box. And they'd stand firm. And when they hit that ball, they'd be mobile enough to take it to the first Step, but Lord, most of all, I just pray they'd swing the bat. I just pray that they would get beyond this kind of thinking that that coming to church on Sunday is what the Christian life is about. It's not. The Christian life is swinging the bat. Taking the opportunities you give us. So, Lord, however you speak to us today, we pray that you would direct their decisions accordingly. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. amen.